0: A warm welcome to the papers. Good morning to you. It's Wednesday the 15th of November in the year of our Lord 2023. And it is miserable out there in Salford, I tell you. It is absolutely bucketing it dune. It's uh, down to climate change, allegedly. Let me make a wee bit of an adjustment here while I do this. I could stop and start again, but you know, there'd be no fun in that, so let's just carry on. Hope I find you well. I've had a couple of uh, nice days off. I had a couple of nice days off. Went to the snooker in Bolton on Monday with my friend for the day. It was great crack altogether. Needed a bit of a breather after a good solid ten weeks without a breather. But I'm back. Let's do the papers. As usual, we kick off by looking at the front pages of the UK Dailies. We're going to start with The Telegraph. Yeah. The fallout from... The removal of Suella Braverman as Home Secretary by the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. The removal of Braverman. Braverman launches brutal attack on PM's betrayal of Nation, is the headline on the front page of The Telegraph. We probably don't need to stay with this. She wrote a letter which has been made public, criticising him. There's a quote from the letter. She says, I must surely conclude now you had... Never had any intention of keeping your promises. She's accused him of betraying the nation, Rishi Sunak, by lurching to the left and all of that jazz. Yeah. The Daily Mirror. Same story, different photograph of Braverman. Tories are revolting. Maybe they could try running the country for a bit instead, screams the Mirror. It teases the story out about Nigel Farage, too. Farage has entered the jungle. Hasn't he? Nigel Farage, Farage, Farage. It's a biscuit, it's a bar. Yeah. It's a tomato, it's a tomato. So Farage has gone into the jungle. This is vaudeville. I'm tired of talking about this. I'm tired of it. I've done it too often on the Richie Allen radio show. They are ripping the piss out of us. The political class and the media. Okay? Never the twain were supposed to meet. The media was supposed to hold the political class to account. Put a microscope on them. Every second they're in office. Challenge every fucking thing they do. And say, but now, No, they give them jobs presenting political programs. And they give them massive amounts of money to holiday in Australia. Where no doubt the great British public will spend money urging them, or will spend money by texting to get these fuckers to eat witchy grubs and spiders and God knows what else. It is vaudeville. Yeah that's in the mirror i'm a celebrity get me out of here yeah the times braverman p m lied to me and betrayed britain yes the resignation letter condemns the migration failures now today there is a Supreme Supreme Court decision here in the UK. You might hear this podcast after the Supreme Court has handed down the decision. What's the decision, Baldy? Well, it's making a decision on whether the scheme to send asylum seekers to Rwanda is lawful. And that will be announced, I suppose, at some stage this morning, maybe. Maybe at lunchtime, maybe in the early afternoon. I don't know when they're going to announce it, but they'll announce it at some stage. Daily Mail again. A photograph of Suella Braverman. Looks like she's she's got a naughty secret. She's got a little mischievous grin on her face in the photograph on the Daily Mail. Little bit of a grin. And uh, we had a deal and you broke it, Suella tells PM. Okay. The Daily Star handbagged. There is a photograph of a gigantic handbag. And Suella Braverman is behind a gigantic handbag. She's smaller than it. And Rishi Sunak is pictured flattened on the f- on the ground on the street outside Downing, uh, yeah, outside Number Ten. As the Daily Express, war is declared. Suella accuses Sunak of betraying the nation. Blah blah blah. The iPaper Paper goes with revenge served hot. There is another photograph of Suella Brafferman. and the Metro goes with a very bizarre story: ice hockey death arrest. Did you read about that a couple of weeks ago in a in, in an ice hockey match? here in the UK. A terrible accident, or it seems, seems to be an accident in any case. One player seemed to be upended on the ice, and as he was upended, his legs shot up into the air, and one of his skates cut the neck of a man called Adam Johnson, God love him, and he bled to death on the ice. And they've arrested the guy on suspicion of manslaughter. Now, Not out of any morbid curiosity, because I'm not morbid, but I happen to see the video on a video-sharing site of, not of the entire thing, because I don't have, I'm pretty squeamish, so I don't want to be seeing a poor man in his last moments. But the moment of impact, before it was frozen, I can't see how it could be deliberate. But what the hell do I know about ice hockey? Well, I know as much about ice hockey as I know about anything else, which is squat, really. The Financial Times Wall Street markets jump after US inflation falls more than expected. And I don't think there's anything else. That is, or there are, you have it, the front pages of the UK Dailies. This is The Papers with me, Richie Allen. Uh, Don't forget today, Wednesday at 5 o'clock UK time, I'll be live on The Richie Allen Show discussing some of the stories I will be telling you about now in greater detail, maybe. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I also might come on and, and not speak about any of these stories. Right, so now we go inside the papers to see what is of, of interest there. And there are some interesting things. Vaccines are covered in different stories today in the UK newspapers. We'll talk about, we'll kick off with one then. Telegraph. GP surgery blunder led to healthy 28-year-old being given fatal AstraZeneca COVID jab. That's the headline. Opening paragraph, a precious and beloved son died after he was wrongly given the AstraZeneca COVID jab because of a blunder almost 20 years ago, as that mistakenly classified him as morbidly obese. Alex Reed, who was 28, died from a rare blood clot caused by the vaccine. This is getting to be a bit of a piss take now, isn't it? When the press calls it a rare blood clot. And it does this in about five different paragraphs in this story, saying how rare this is, even though you and I know it's not bloody rare at all, is it? Anyway, Alex Reid was 28, blah, blah, blah. But an inquest heard he would never have received the vaccine, but for an error in his medical records. Years ago, they correctly uh, r- recorded this guy's height, dearest listener. But they v- vastly um, overestimated his weight. They incorrectly recorded the man's weight. He was four foot eight inches tall when he was 11, Right. Uh, That's um, 1.45 metres. But they recorded his weight as 22 stone in error. And this is how many years later, nearly 20 years later, he ends up getting an AstraZeneca jab that he didn't need because he wasn't vastly overweight. He had a clot and he died. He died at Leeds General Infirmary on the 29th of June 2021. And on the Richie Allen show last week, we heard from Alex Mitchell, didn't we? Lovely gentleman in Scotland who lost his leg after the uh, after being vaccinated with the AstraZeneca uh, Oxford AstraZeneca jab and we know that the high court is going to hear a couple of test cases which we're going to follow with great interest because they could very well lead to dozens and dozens of cases against um, AstraZeneca and Oxford because of this terrible jab. Let's go to the Mail Online. Like I told you, right, vaccines are everywhere today in the UK press as well as Suella Braverman. Here's a headline in the Mail Online. Cervical cancer to be wiped out by 2040. NHS chief executive makes truly momentous pledge with vow to boost uptake of HPV vaccine and screening. Now we know that when they say HPV vaccine, they mean Gardasil. And we know that Gardasil has done terrible things to hundreds, maybe thousands of young girls who didn't need the fecking thing in the first place. The NHS will today make a momentous pledge to eliminate cervical cancer by 2040 in a move that will save thousands of lives, as the Mail Online, which is bullshit, right? Amanda Pritchard, chief executive of NHS England, will vow to achieve the life-saving ambition by increasing uptake of the HPV vaccine and screening. Around 2,700 women are diagnosed with cervical cancer in England each year, and 850 die from it now. Two, three, four years ago before COVID, I enlisted the help of a mathematician. I don't have the figures to hand, but we worked out what the odds of a woman dying of cervical cancer in the UK, and they are astronomical. Astronomical. These are odds you wouldn't take. The odds are so great of a woman dying from cervical cancer, or cervical cancer, as some people say, are so great you wouldn't even have a pound on it. We're talking many tens of thousands to one. So you don't need the fucking vaccine, right? Not to mention the human papilloma virus. not to mention what it says to women, really. It's kind of demeaning women, isn't it? It's kind of making an assumption that women are just filthy old harlots who are having sex every time to go out for a drink, you know? Look it up. I'm not going to get into it. But anyway, nobody needs the Gardasil cervical cancer jab. They don't need it. This is madness. And there's an even more disgusting um, story um, about vaccines coming up and you probably heard it yesterday if you were paying attention to the news yesterday. So they're going to really put pressure on 12 to, thir- 12 to 13 year olds to have a jab they do not need and which may cause them great harm. I've spoken to girls over the years, to girls and to their parents. Girls who, the, the jab basically destroyed them. Left them with chronic fatigue and and um, autoimmune issues. Jab they didn't need. And now they're going to go and really intensify the pressure on children to have this jab. Let's look at the Times newspaper. Inside the paper, Peter Nygard, the tycoon sex offender, with links to Prince Andrew. And I love the opening salvo here. To paraphrase Oscar Wilde, holidaying with one sexual predator might seem like a misfortune. Holidaying with two looks like carelessness. Alas, then, for Prince Andrew, once carefree Eremile Zandi, sometime chum of Kazakh oligarchs and former friend of Jeffrey Epstein, just when he thought his past might be done catching up with him, along comes Peter Nygaard, a Canadian fashion tycoon, and, as of this week, convicted sex offender. Around the time of Andy's 40th birthday party in 2000, he was photographed walking amicably. How do you walk amicably? I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to practice my amicable walking. This is actually the Times now. The newspaper of record for the United Kingdom. What the fuck? Walking amicably? What does that mean? Anyway, on his property, Nygaard's property, Andy and your, your man, Nygaard, Peter, they walked amicably. So there were photographs of them amicably walking. And another one includes his ex-wife, Sarah Ferguson, smiling happily alongside Nygaard and their two young daughters, Beatrice and Eugenie. Here is what I think. It's It's a theory. It is an opinion. It is, in fact. They don't find sex with children or sex with underage girls repulsive. They don't find it repulsive. That class of scumbag does not find it contemptible, detestable, and frankly sickening to have sex with children. No, they don't. They like it. They have no problem with it. Either they like it or they just don't give a shit. That's this class. They would see themselves, they are often referred to as the ruling class. They don't fucking rule me, right? But they have no problem with it. It doesn't bother them. Look, we saw this. We saw this. Westminster's Dirty Secrets. Holy God, Tim Fortescue. The man who was chief whip for Edward Heath in the 1970s. He openly told the BBC in 1997. That sometimes members of Parliament would come to the whips to make a little confession. I was caught buggering boys. Can you get me out of it? And he told the BBC that Tim Fortescue, thankfully now dead and hopefully he fucking died in agony, he said that Fortescue and we would get them out of it because we would we, store a brownie point, I mean, brownie point. Yeah. And, and he told the BBC he said it might sound it might sound like a nasty thing now. Well, it does, Tim. It does sound nasty. Yes. Not making sure that the fucker who's just, you know, admitted, confessed to buggering boys, not handing, after beating him to within an inch of his life, is then handing, handing him over to the Met Police. That's what you should do. No, no, you stored up brownie points. That class of people doesn't give a shit about the rape of children. And I say that not for effect, I say it because I believe it to be true. They are the scum of the earth. This upper class, entitled class of shit who never worked a day in their fucking lives. But their families, their grandparents have land, they have titles handed down to them year after year after year. It goes back to monarchies in the fucking Middle Ages and they think they're better than everybody else. They are not. They're scum. And they have no problem with, um, hurting children. Anyway. I didn't expect... uh, Right, the the times. Let's stay with the times. Pool player forfeits final rather than play trans woman. You go, girl. We're talking about Lynn Pinches. And Lynn is 50. And she's a bloody good pool player, is Lynn. I think she's the sister of Barry Pinches. I love me snooker. And Barry Pinches, they're from Norwich, aren't they? Uh, Or from that area, anyway. And Barry used to be um, a top 16 snooker player. And he was famous, Barry because he would wear the yellow and green colours of Norwich on the rear of his waistcoat, of his no-dad waistcoat. Barry was a good player, yeah. Never scaled the heights, but he was a good player for many years. So Lynn, anyway, got to the final of a national pool tournament and found out that in the final was Harriet Haynes. Harriet Haynes. Harriet is a man who thinks he's a woman. And you've not got much of a fucking imagination. If you say... On Friday, do you know what, I identify as a woman and the best you can do is Harriet. And if you listen to the podcast and you do like me, I know you're falling out with me because your name is Harriet and you're offended. I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend you. But Harriet, you should have given your mother a slap when you were old enough. What the fuck did you call me Harriet for? It's not sexy. So Harriet Haynes got to the final of the Ladies' Champion of Champions in Denbighshire, North East Wales. Uh, Lynn says no mass like Roberto Duran in that fight with Sugar Ray Leonard. The Duran Leonard two fight no mass, I'm not fucking having it. I'm not playing this trans person because it's wrong. So the champion Harry Haynes, the bloke who thinks he's a woman, reacted with confusion before picking up the trophy by default. Says the Times, well done. Lynn said to the to the Telegraph newspaper. Walking out on Saturday was the toughest thing I've ever had to do in my life. I've never even conceded a frame, never minded a match, in 30 years willingly. I've never given up anything. It was only my fourth final ever, but the trophy or the money mean nothing to me without fairness. And I told as the tournament director afterwards, yes. The annoying thing about this is, the players had been assured before the tournament that they would not have to compete against trans or so-called non-binary players. but the pool, the the organisers went back on their word, and they left this trans person in to play, and he ended up with the trophy. Fucking vaudeville, yeah. Who's the women's uh, national pool champion? It's a bloke called Harriet. Yes. The Guardian, speaking of disgusting stories about vaccines, here's another one. Chickenpox vaccine should be given to children on the NHS. Experts say, experts, gotta love the experts, eh? Experts madness this isn't it i was listening to this as i was driving around manchester yesterday on the mid-morning talk shows and they were all so much in favor of it nobody said well hang on a second now chicken pox really doesn't do squat to the children who get it you know the great 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 majority 99.9999 percent of children they get chicken pox. they get it they've got the little spots The the little blisters on their skin, they might have a fever, they might feel a bit nauseous for a couple of days and then they get over it, and because their body got over it, because the body got over it, the body has now learned how to do something to fight off infections naturally. Now they're going to give them two shots, dear listener. Two two shots. 12-month-old babies will now be given two shots of a vaccine they do not fucking need. And that's two shots to add on to the 16 other shots they're given when you and I got the polio jab. That's right. And maybe we didn't even need that. I have the marks on my left arm to prove it. The polio jab, or the BCG as it was known, I've never had another shot. Apart from the occasional Bacardi, the occasional Jack Daniels, I've never had another vaccine. Ever. And never will. Isn't it disgusting? The Joint Committee on Vaccines and Immunisation, they couldn't answer because they weren't asked, did you see? They won't appear on shows like the Richie Allen show, Monday to Thursday at 5 o'clock UK time. Oh, fuck no, they won't. Because I'll ask them the questions they, they don't get asked on the BBC, which is, you were very adamant previously that children didn't need a chickenpox jab. Why now? Why indeed? It's disgusting, isn't it? It's disgusting. It's disgusting it boils my piss. It really does. It really does. And I heard some dickhead on BBC Radio 5 Live yesterday explaining why it's so important. Because some people who don't get chickenpox, you know, if you manage to escape the chickenpox in your childhood, that leaves you vulnerable to shingles in years to come. And shingles can be very debilitating and very sickening, you know. Right, so hang on, let me get this straight now. So chicken pox does fuck all to most children, so they don't really need the jab. But let's give them the jab, just in case they don't get chicken pox, because if they don't get chicken pox, that viral whatever the fuck will hang around their system, and in adulthood it might bloom, and give them the shingles. Are you shitting me? But that's not what the BBC interviewer said, you see. The BBC interviewer said, Ah, ah, now it makes sense. Naga Munchetti, an elfin little fucker. Tiny little thing. You see her sitting on the sofa on BBC Breakfast in Salford in the mornings. Her feet don't touch the floor. Little pixie. Pixie of lies. Do your fucking job. Ask him the question. Kids don't need that jab. Why are you giving it to them? Along with all the other jabs, you know? Ah, it's Wednesday. As I record this, right now it's 8.33. I tell you that because the world might end. And you might say, why didn't you tell us, Richie? Because I, I didn't know is the answer. I had no idea what was coming. Um, Let's look at the sun inside the scum, as they call it in Merseyside, and they have good reason. But there's a bit of a sad story. I don't like to to make you sad. But we love, by we, I mean you and me, we love Shane McGowan. He's a great, great man, great genius. He's not well at the moment. He hasn't been well for some time. Uh, There's a headline inside the sun is hang in there, wife of Fairy Tale of New York icon Shane McGowan asks for love and prayers for those struggling in new health updates. So in a post on social media, uh, Victoria Mary Clark, who comes across as a lovely lady, doesn't she? Devoted to Shane. She thanked everyone for their kind messages and support, while the fairy Tale of New York icon, who fucking writes this shit? Anyway, Battle's a dangerous brain condition in hospital. So you probably know that he's got viral encephalitis, which is a terrible condition because it leads to swelling in the brain and sometimes they can't slow down the swelling. So she wanted to thank everybody for sending their best wishes and some of his best pals have been in. Spider Stacy has been in, Terry Wood uh, has has been in Uh, and he's not well. And he's in hes in a bad way, Shane McGowan. And it's one of them, you get the feeling that it won't be maybe too long before... Um, I mean, it's miraculous. It's an absolute miracle that Shane has reached 65. He is 65 now. And, my God, I mean, I think Shane McGowan is the answer to that question that baffled the world's greatest mathematicians, Harvard professors, the greatest of all time. And that is... What is Keith Richards multiplied by? I don't know. Who else can we think of? What is Keith Richards multiplied by Paul Gascoigne divided by? I don't know. Georgie Best. The answer is Shane McGowan. I mean, he's he's drunk lorry loads of booze. Lorry loads. I met him once when he was playing a place called Shefflin's in Waterford. I was DJing at a nightclub. Just down the road, the owners of the nightclub owned Shefflin's as well. Shane was playing. I went to see him before the show, into the uh, into his uh, dressing room. Had a word with him. He couldn't have been nicer. He was in great form. He was sober, and uh, I just remembered that it was lovely that he was so nice. Anyway, good luck to him. That's the papers for. Wednesday, the 15th of November 2023. 8.36 as I close out now. Thanks for listening to it. Do share it with others. And by the way, if you happen to be around at 5 o'clock today, that's 5 o'clock UK time, do tune in to the Richie Allen Show, live from BBG Towers. Thanks for listening. Speak soon.